reference yeah. as well. again it's the Brownswood Road sessions on kspace.tv I had Jose James last time um, with me Tristan um, talking about a bunch of nothingness really <laughs> to be honest um, and this time around we've got um, Paul Bradshaw the legend that is he's come down and he's going to try and clear up well open people's eyes to the Jeff, Def Jazz debate <laughs> or the confusion. Yeah. Is there a debate? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that I could hear that in Hoxton at, I don't know, some trendy little bar somewhere and, and see a load of girls in electro-coloured tights walking out to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because like I was saying to you earlier, that was kind of, um, <clears throat> I'd sort of... Um, 
listen to the, the checked out the uh, Observer Music oh, Music monthly. monthly chart of who to listen to, and thought, damn it, man, all these groups this sounds so kind of eighties New York pre kind of electoral, and um, so while we were exploring this um, concept of deaf jazz, I thought I'd pull out this James Chance and the Contortions <laughs> album. Is there is there a definition that can kind of associate? Well, I, think, I mean, I don't think people would necessarily say that's deaf jazz. They'd probably be like, "Well, that's like eighties." Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's there is it's it's interesting because um, Soil and Pimp call their sessions in Japan death jazz, and I think that that was a kind of you know having been there and having seen how the jazz scene is in Japan, then basically, I mean, I would think that what they've done is call it death jazz in order to kind of alienate the jazz. Oh, I see. Straight ahead <laughs> jazz audience. Let them know that it's a little bit angrier. You know, yeah, let them know it's a bit more vexed. They're coming from, <laughs> you know, they're coming from the kind of high rise, you know. They've got a story to tell. Lots of kids who kind of can't come out of their bedrooms, you know. It's kind of, you know, that's, you know, that's their thing. They're, you know, they're angry, you know, young guys in a way from, from I suppose, kind of alienated city living. You know, and I think that you know their music in a way kind of reflects that. Though I think when you listen to it, it's pretty straight ahead in certain ways, but it's played on a high energy basis. It's obviously which is kind not of that different. Jazz. Yeah, in... which is not that different from what James Chance is doing on, <laughs> on that, because basically what they're doing is they've, they, you know, they're taking they're the funk and they're freeing it up and they're playing it faster and it's punky, which is pretty much what Silent Pimp are in certain ways. You know what I find is. Um is the funniest thing about Def Jazz is that it's got a definitive groove to it. It's really funky. Well, some of it. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, when I started looking at Def Jazz, I thought, well, who, who came up with the term? And from what I can work out, which is one of the great things about the internet, is that um, it seems that Def Jazz originated in Florida. And basically it was a metal band who had a drummer who was heavily into fusion. So basically when it came to them rocking out, the style that they rocked out in was... Fusion. Heavy duty metal meets fusion. <laughs> so I think then you had some critic or someone with a pen who wrote down, uh-huh, This is angry. This, this is is sounds like death jazz. <laughs> Not death metal, death jazz. And basically, so from there on in, there lies the debate about um, death jazz. And so it's not something that they kind of coined themselves with. Somebody heard the music. I reckon it was a journal. <laughs> and put the two together, jazz yeah. and metal. Yeah. And decided to call it death yeah. jazz. And then people obviously, you know, people have followings, cult followings. Other bands hear it. Think, oh yeah, I'm feeling that. You know, I like that. And, uh, the way they've done that, that's wicked. So you kind of get a kind of development from there. See, jazz, or I think jazz is always about life. <laughs> you know, but I think everyone has their own definitions. But I think at a certain time, people want to break through the stereotypes, and this is what Arnett and James Blood Elmer were doing with this band. Cool. Captain Black, is it? Yeah.
but it's all quite fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all kind of, it's dance music. Well, that's the story that also I was telling you is that basically <laughs> when this band came and played in London, supposedly that would have been in, in the kind of, in the, I'm not sure, um, it would have been 80s. And they played this gig at the, um, in uh, Victoria, at a theatre in Victoria. And basically, as I said there, you know, you came in and the first thing you noticed was these big round white speakers <laughs> on the stage, which is like, oh, really odd, really odd Sound speakers. Sound system kind of vibes. <laughs> yeah, he was like, really odd speakers. And the band came on, Ornette and Blood Elmer and, you know, and Donado and the others. And basically, they just let off, as you just heard on these tracks. <laughs> and all the kind of Ornette Coleman fans who were all used to kind of hearing Ornette in a kind of acoustic setting. Well, he was never really chilled out. You know I mean? <laughs> There's a couple of nice bits, but, you know, but he's like, basically, you know, he's always been a fairly full-on player. But in that, you know, in the context of suddenly, it was like loud. Oh, so it was the volume and the energy, which It was, was loud, it was fast, it was sort of funky. Psychedelic, you know, reaching out. Rig and panic were letting <laughs> off, you know, Nana Cherry, Andrew Oliver. They were all. But the traditional jazz is not just a little bit kind of. Well, they were there at the end of the, at the end of the tunes, they were shouting out, turn it down, turn it down, <laughs> turn it down. And that's when, you know, an honest response Would was. Turn it down? If it's too loud, I suggest you move back. <laughs> And that was well, yeah, that I mean, was his vibe, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, it is a dumb. <laughs> So this is Sam, Blood Omar. Blood Omar, are you glad to be in America? Playing with like a, slight, a different band, but like wicked people, David Murray, Olu Dara. Oh. We play with oh, um, Naz's dad. <laughs> yeah. The guy, he, he dedicated that tune, he did a tune with him, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, cool. And this is like the bluesier end. But this came out of time, so it was a, it's a bit like Hendrix. And then you got kind of um, Rough Trade, which was the hippest independent label, mm. easily, by far, at the time. Put this out. So it got a big listenership around that time. And so it, it hasn't always been... I mean, it's still kind of independent, but not necessarily niche underground. To the point where well this is the kind this is the kind of stuff that crossed over into something like the enemy at the time cool. and the enemy at that time would you find that you get quite a lot of the rock death prez press sorry getting into it as opposed to the jazz yeah. press who kind of picked it up more well uh, the enemy at the time which for me was the best because i was right for them <laughs> and neil spencer who was my one my best mate was the editor yeah and he was progressive because he was into black music 
you know, in the sense that basically, you know, he introduced a whole cultural attitude into the NME, which we, which took it away from it being a rock paper. Yeah. So he brought in reggae, and he also brought in all this stuff from New York, and you know, that jazz in and everything. So it was kind of, it opened, you know, the enemy up into a much more of a cultural paper at the time. And when you think that it used to sell quarter of a million copies every week, every week, yeah, then you, you know, you have a, you know, it had a, a very, readership. very serious influence on what was going on. Hmm. So someone like Blood Elma suddenly came through and was kind of people were listening to it. Oh, cool. And the fact it was on Rough Trade... Made it even cooler. Made it even cooler because obviously Rough Trade was a label that put out all the kind of, you know, quite a lot of pivotal punk rock yeah. records and all that. So it was kind of a connecting, you know, jazz was in there with all the rest of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. On, that, on that side, sort of jazz and punk rock, it was... So who kind of... I'm, I'm always a little bit... I mean, even with the so-called deaf jazz now, who does it... Who, or who do you think it appeals to more? Is it more your traditional rocker or more your traditional jazzer? I think this could appeal to both, you see. That's, I, that's, I think... that's, that's the thing. Is like Basically, if, you, if you're a Hendrix fan, you know, and you like Hendrix, Band of Gypsies, all that kind of stuff, you can listen to this and think, this is wicked. Yeah. You know? And also, if you're a jazz head, jazz you know, you like your blues that. and all that, then you can think, yeah. I'm I suppose if you're jazzy, you'll be like, oh, this is very rocky. And if you're a rock guy or a metal guy, you know, this is very jazz. But jazz people are not used to listening to music loud. Oh. And that's a big difference. That's I mean, difference. I remember the first time I DJed in Japan, and that was playing like more like Blue Note records and stuff like that. Yeah. And like I had a guy come up to me who'd interviewed Horace Silver, he was friends with Horace Silver, and he said, thank you very much for playing that tune for you know, Horace Silver. He said, I've, I've never heard it played that loud, loud. before. I had that, a, a similar one with Jose James, actually. We went out to Paris and we did the Love's Jazz Tour. Um, and I can't remember what I played, but it was a jazz record. Um, and he just came up to me with the biggest smile on his face. I said, wow, <laughs> it feels so good to hear this loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, but of course. I don't know, I, I'm kind of on that mentality of the louder it is, the better it is, as long as it sounds good. <laughs>
Uncle Me, the mothers of invention. <laughs> What I find quite funny, or good, um, is that the covers are also varied. Artistic. Also mental, but also varied in their own different ways. I mean, that Captain Blood one, which looks like a comic. Yeah. A superhuman kind of force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which one is one with a a trout for a head? Oh, yeah, the one you're looking at, that's some trout mass replica, Captain Beefheart, where he's got a <laughs> trout head. And the names as well, I love the names, it's just, yeah. they are, they're psychedelic names, aren't they? Well, these people, they were legends, you know what I mean, like, during that period of the late 60s. I mean, but, this is probably recorded around about the late 60s, sort of. So, you know, America at the time, civil strife. All that, but, yeah, you know, police to loose a little bit. beating down on you, <laughs> trying to send you to Vietnam, getting jailed for, you know, someone like John Sinclair, who was threatened with something like 25 years imprisonment for having tried to sell an undercover policewoman a stick of weed. <laughs> you know, so it was a weird, mad time where everyone was demanding some kind of freedom. So the music, in a way, fitted with that. It was kind of out there. And then, like Zappa described, he said, jazz ain't, what he said? Something like, jazz ain't dead, just smells funny. <laughs> yeah. And this this track was recorded on the back of a flatbed truck somewhere. Yeah, yeah. this is well, this this one. All of them are called King Kong. They were called King Kong and different yeah. variations. Of yeah. How <laughs> hip is that? <laughs> yeah. feedback or no a lot of distortion on this channel never mind a work will never blame his tools yeah exactly more distortion (laughs) let's twist it out a little bit more (laughs) so anyway we were saying earlier um before we recorded the podcast we were having a little chat and um you were saying the you would get the rock guys who are a little bit kind of, I don't know, they would do their rock kind of, and they do their usual stuff, and then they'd twist out a little bit and yeah. come up with this crazy, yeah. they'd be the jazz in it inside the rock band. Yeah, because you know, you take a group like Cream. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I was watching that documentary on TV, you know, they were talking about the gigs that they did and stuff, and, you know, and Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker were. Two of the top jazz people in London, you know what I mean? <laughs> Eric Clapton was the guitar god, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when the two came together, it was kind of like you could just take it out. Mm. So, you know, you got those tracks and they just suddenly went off live. Wow. And for what Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker would do, it was completely natural to them. So, so that I, I kind of feel bad calling it deaf jazz or referring it to them, because it's not really... I find it difficult to call it deaf jazz because it does sound a little bit like a label. Yeah, it is a label, yeah. It's not yeah. really kind of, oh, that's what it is, or, you know, oh, that's what just happened to be. It's, it's kind of just a sound. 
exactly what I'm talking about it's just yeah. it's something that's taken out of somewhere and, and a noise is made and well I think it's that thing that comes out I mean the thing about jazz that differentiates jazz from most other music is it's an improvised music hmm. you know it's kind of you know and that's what you know black America has given the rest of the world in that sense you know what I mean they've given you know an ability to kind of improvise that excuse to is, just go away and, and yeah. make music as it comes into your head yeah, and I, you know, and I think that that you know that's you know it's that kind of thing that kind of was passed on to rock musicians, you know, in the way that they were playing, you know, and you know it kind of you know during that particular period it made sense, and every time you know music moves in cycles, I suppose, hmm. and you know and at different times you know you'll have different musicians who who kind of align themselves with what they've heard. So someone, for example, like Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth which sort of brings it all kind of a little bit more up to date. I mean, he's like a person who became infatuated with sound and noise, you know, and, you know, and he, he would have heard all them records by people like Frank Lowe, you know, like ESP records in, you know, from the sort of 70s, free jazz stuff from the 70s in New York. He would have heard those records and kind of thought, wow, you know, Wax Poetics picked up on a lot of mm. that stuff in the early, you know, the early issues. So it's that kind of feeling where you've got those people who come together and they're all kind of like, this is new. We've got a different kind of freedom operating here. And therefore, you know, what you get out of that is very much a musician's music mm. because in a way they're all kind of... Is it usually side projects? Is it... I think in Europe it's more... I think in Europe you have people who are like professional, they're like improv musicians mm. really. And they tend to work together, and it, it, you know, and rather than it just being acoustic instruments, it brings together kind of um, electronics, you know, with you know, kind of you know, like the the ability, you know, free horns or whatever, mm, or just twisting out basically, yeah, or, making you all know, kinds of yeah. mad, crazy sounds yeah, yeah. that and kind I, of go together. <laughs> and I think sometimes it works better live than it does on records I definitely agree with you yeah. I mean even so with Soil and Pimp Sessions I mean they make good records and you know you kind of have to be in the mood to to handle sitting down and listening to it um, but I mean if you go to one of the gigs you, you have no choice you yeah. have to rock out to it yeah. <laughs> you have yeah, absolutely yeah, no yeah, choice yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. it it sounds better and the energy's there and you can I mean I suppose it, it's not so present when it's on a record where those noises all that sound is coming from yeah, I mean, you know, and I think you get certain labels that kind of... Scandinavia seems to be kind of a place. I mean, I was listening to the, an album by this group, The Thing. Uh, unfortunately, the CD's in my record player at home. <laughs> yeah, my CD player at home. Um, but um, these guys, Matt Gustafsson, he seems to be a bit of a key player on this particular scene. So this group, The Thing, they've kind of collaborated with Thurston Moore... And uh, they're they're on this um, label called um, I think it's called Small Town Jazz, which is kind of a yeah small town small town super jazz dot com. Small check town it super out. check it out. I'll um, it out. get all the information and all the www.smalltownsuperjazz.com <laughs> up online. According, according to the BBC, it says the sheer power they generate from wood, metal, breath, and muscle is stunning. <laughs> stunning 
Yeah, and then, sheer power. And then it's got kind of little <laughs> concrete poetry things on the cover which say, a moment, not a somber rep. It is a crying noise, crying, the thing, a there trauma. Was some, there was something in there, was it this one, where they talked about how it was recorded? Yes, it was... Um, whatever was this one they talked about it was recorded. I'm not sure. Okay. But yeah, it's kind of... Um, it says, the thing convert nouveau punk and vintage garage rock into a roaring, screaming, but the energy is sheer energy and love of music, and it keeps the gimmickry at bay. <laughs> Check that one out. I'll Check get the information out, out yeah, for K-Space um, and the Bowser blog, so you can get on there and get all geeky and pull it out, because this is only a, a small little delve into death. yeah I mean I think just, you know you need to get a few more bits in here <laughs> you know, I mean I've just brought some routical stuff you <laughs> yeah. know whereas um, I think there is a sort of thriving scene going on out there but it's you know you and have it's, to find it kind you've of. got to yeah you've got to go and find it and I think that's, that's the thing about the net it allows you to kind of travel a little bit and find people who are doing this kind of you know this kind of music really and you talk to them listen to recordings and yeah, you don't necessarily have to. I mean, they, you know, there's debates that go on, you know, in the blogs and all that. But basically, they, they don't see in the end, they don't seem to go anywhere. Yeah, you know what I mean. It starts off, and um, you know, the people are into a particular thing. Like I said, they might start off, or they were into the Florida kind of heavy metal thing. Well, I think the the, the, the reason why it might be quite so hard to to find out more about it, or know about, or even talk about it, is because even if you made so-called deaf jazz. You probably wouldn't even call it deaf jazz yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you kind of yeah. need somebody else to to. Be like, oh, yeah. You know, and I think I think what happens is is um, you know, if you get someone like this group, uh, which is which is you know again going back a little bit of time, which is the defunct group, which was you know was um, another one of the groups that came in around the time of Blood Alma and Joseph Bowie's Lester Bowie's brother, and he was part of the kind of St Louis group of musicians, and they decided I think to kind of try and engage more with the mainstream and I think you know they you know they came up with this kind of defunct concept so basically they took James Brown as their kind of model really and then um, got into this kind of sweaty angular funk you know and um, and came up with kind of twisted lyrics like strangling me with your love (laughs) on a razor's edge Another question that, that's been burning, just we get into this tune in a sec, is um, does it always have to be angry? Well, I don't think it has to be angry. I mean, uh, you Can know. it be somber death? <laughs> somber death, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult to know. I mean, I think, you well, know... I suppose if it's come from that metal kind of... Then I suppose it's... Because I'm thinking about it from a point of view of death. Dying. Yeah, well, I, and, I and in a way, that's to me is not really that helpful, you know what I mean? Because you know the whole death metal thing and then the black and the goth yeah. vibe and all, which doesn't really kind of gel, you know, with, with our vibe. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So it's kind of um, <laughs> you've got everything about love and you know, expression. I mean, you know, we can too. we can we can do angry, you know, <laughs> yeah. we can do you know, skag ain't dope, it's death and all that. You know but, what I mean? But really expressive for music in that way. Yeah, you know. I mean, there was interesting. It was an interesting album with them. Um, um, I think it was uh, the guys from Tortoise. Jim, I think it was Jim or Rock, and he did an album with Bill Dixon, 
he didn't make many albums, a flugelhorn player, but he was one of those great New York musicians around the free era and a bit of an inspiration to a lot of other people. And he recently did an album called Exploding Star Orchestra, which is a really cool album. But again, it's like... Exploding star. <laughs> it's, you know, a lot of electronics. Yeah. You know, and Bill playing flugelhorn, which is a very warm kind of mm. sound, you know, so you, you're never going to associate that with death, really. You know what I mean? Does an exploding star not make a, a sun? Maybe. Yeah. So it gets kind of positive. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but it's, it's that kind of thing where you can see how musicians, it's all about musicians coming together from different angles. And I think... You know, the media and the journals, of which I'm one, you know, we kind of... Need a reference. People create reference yeah. points, and sometimes over the top, it goes big, you have genres that are not very helpful. You know, so, you know, you kind of... You know, it, sometimes categories are not that helpful, and sometimes what you want is to understand uh, the cross-currents. Oh, I see, where it's coming from the different yeah. where it's actually met yeah so where you get those you know where you get those collisions they become exciting mm. you know so you know Hendrix getting together with Buddy Miles <laughs> you know for the band of Gypsies was a pretty mad collision Situation. of music you know what I mean <laughs> do you have a, a a better way of describing it in f- five words Five words. I'm not going to give you two. That's five words. I don't know. The free noise society or something, you know. Yeah. Make it up as you go along. <laughs> yeah. Strangling me with your love. Say, choke me to death. Strangling me with your love. Say, choke me. Strangling me with your love.
so we've got the Def Jazz gig coming up soon at the Round House on the 14th of July. And from the sounds of this, everyone's going to be skanking out and funking right out. Looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's if Giles... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the mighty Jeddah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I um, put them on a, a few weeks ago at the Big Chill House, and they're wicked, man. Really good. Because um, I get a kind of similar vibe yeah. to some of these. You know, they're, they're kind of a bit out, out like to go out. Yeah, they're, they're kind out. of like Daniel Crosby. He, can, he holds a rhythm. He holds it down. Tight, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> and he gets angry as well on, on the drums. But in a, in a controlled way. But, he, you know, um, it's quite funny because... Um, it certainly didn't appeal to some people. There was a, a group of American tourists, a tourist family, I don't know, three kids and wife and husband or what have you, who came in kind of unaware of what was going on. <laughs> and they were out within 30 seconds. But um, you also got the other side of it, where you had like the little trendy kids and the electro kids, and you had the usual kind of soul boys and the fun kids and all that. Um, and he appealed to all of them in a, in a different way. Um, yeah, yeah, but I, I think it's kind of interesting because what you you know what you've got is when you got you got people like the mighty Jeddah or you know David Kumu is another you know hybrid monster. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know he loves his Hendrix. You he know he's a guitarist, it. so he likes to rock out. You know, so the music that he brings together. I'm looking forward to the Invisibles mm. playing live a bit. You know, I want to see them playing out live. And um, I mean, it's that kind of thing. But also, you've got to think that like all them other groups, you know, like Polar Bear and, you know, Acoustic Ladyland and, you know, they're not deaf jazz, but they're all kind of, in a way, they're all about hybrids. Yeah. You know, they're, they, you know, they're quirky. You know, they've kind of come together, you know, as a result of, you know, different, different scenes meshing together, and different ideas, together. you know. And that's, you know, in a way, that's what makes life interesting. <laughs> Jazz is the teacher. Yeah. Funk is the preacher. <laughs> this is the last one. Thank you very much, sir. You're welcome. It's been good getting your thoughts going yeah. for your tunes as well. It opened my eyes in the past 45 minutes. Digging, I mean, I'm digging right now. I'm showing my age badly. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I show my age badly. <laughs> I'm kind of looking at some of the records just kind of. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Brownswood Road Sessions, Def Jazz with Paul Bradshaw. Get to the gig, 14th of July, Roundhouse. Indeed. Uh, get online um, and check out Paul's. I've tried to start a debate, man. People are not really, yeah, not really getting into not really vibing. Get onto the Brownswood like blog and I'll spruce it up as well. I'll, I'll add a few more little links. Chucked a bit into the straight no chaser site as well, and I was thinking, come We'll get that going. I'm sure this will help the situation out. I think a lot of people are originally put off by the label, but when you hear the music... Well, I think that's the thing. I think you have to kind of think, you know, go back a little bit and do the Captain Beefheart and the Mothers of Invention, Hendrix, Band of Gypsies, and then Ornette and Blood Omer and Default and the New York No Wave scene, and then go from there into the kind of where, where people are improvising and funking out. Mm. And then, you know, I mean, I always think that basically, you know, when you hear those, when you hear those people play live, I mean, it's scary when you hear someone like Peter Broxman, <laughs> you know. 
I mean, that is full frontal, you know. In your face. You're just thinking, oh my word, man. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. You you know, you end up grappling with stuff, you know what I mean? And sometimes things work and sometimes they don't, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's all sounded like it's worth saying. <laughs> I, I reckon there's quite a few casted off recordings. <laughs> and a few sessions that didn't get recorded, that should have. Um, anyway, peace out. Yeah. Maybe we'll do another one with some of the newest stuff. Yeah, we should do actually. We'll do it. We'll look out for that one. That'll be a part two. Def Jazz yeah, part two. We could do, you know, we could dig out, find some of the new stuff. The, the freshness. <laughs> cool. Till next time. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. All good.
even Mrs. Wooten Welles, little nitty, even Lockport floating with his little pistol showing and his little pistol toting. Well, that goes to show you what a moon can do. No more preach from Tuesday to Friday. Everybody's gone. High society. Hope lost his head and got off on alligators. Somebody's leaving peanuts on the cabins for a white elephant. Escape from zoo with love Goes to show what a moon can do Moonlight on the mind For life, boy, and it did it to you, and it did it to Zoo, and it can do it for me, and it can do it for you. That old time religion is good enough for me. Good enough for me. Move! 